Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. pray in just a second. The first one is, of course, I'm going to be a father soon. And, uh, that sounds so that's scary and strange and all sorts of things, but it happens faster than you think as well. Next week, we'll be halfway through, yes. which is wild. We did know last time we were here, but we couldn't tell you because it was all too early. We found out two days before we left last time. And so I think God, uh, as Phil Cairns prayed over me in our time of praying this morning, that God's revealing to me things about his heart of a father towards me so that I can reflect that to my child when he or she comes. Uh, There was another reason is I've been doing some online training and there was a phrase, you know, when you just, in your studies, in your devotional world, in your Bible reading, in your worship, in all of those daily things you do, not every time does everything jump out and change your life. Yeah, that's right. But when you are consistent in your habits and your devotional world, right. there are moments where God just breathes on something right. and that triggers a whole thought and a whole revelation that can unlock the whole next season of your life. Right. And so I did this right. online, uh, I've been doing this online course and something the trainer said really triggered something within me. And it was along the lines of this, he said, Nelly, everything that we wrestle with stems from, not exclusively, but very much in a big way, stems from the fact that we don't experience intimacy with God in the way that we were created to. That's right. Right, right. The sins that we struggle with, the attitudes, the insecurities, the fears, we think they're behavioural things, but they're not. Mm. They, they are an overflow of the fact that God designed us for an intimacy with Him that we don't experience. Wow. And that is a mind-blowing revelation. I want to share a little bit about that. So but also, uh, another thing that happened recently was a friend of mine, and I'm glad to be sharing this story in Australia because in Kenya, I have to try and explain some cultural things that people don't get. I had to explain to people what an Australian male atheist, um, typical Aussie bloke is like. Uh, But you get that, because you live here already. Uh, And so there's a friend of mine who is probably your most unlikely candidate in the natural to ever contemplate there being a God uh, or anything positively supernatural in the world. I've known this guy for half my life, some of my... uh, Brothers here uh, know them from my Bucks party and things like that. And, uh, you know, we've been walking life together for a long time, but this guy is your ultimate party animal. This guy is your ultimate uh, just Aussie guy who is living to build a career and completely over and over again. I, I I knew him before I was saved, and then the whole journey of my Christianity, we've been having these... Uh, conversations where he is just like, I do not believe in God, full stop, end of story, nothing else to the equation. When you think of the people in your life that are hard to witness to, those sort of people that are at the top of the list where you just think they have no chance. 
So anyway, things have been happening in his, in his world, and he called me the other day, to cut a long story short, he called me the other, other day and he said, hey, because uh, he's coming to visit our church uh, in Nairobi, he's coming out in a few months, uh, he's, he's been slowly easing into it, and he said, I want to come and see what you've built, I have so much respect for what you've built. He's like our biggest fan, I'm like, you know, God, this is crazy. But he called me about a few of the plans, and then he said, hey, but there's something else I wanted to tell you. He said, I've been going through this difficult time after losing my grandmother, and I don't know how the thought popped into my head, but I thought (laughs) something like this. Maybe God let this happen to somehow let my life get on the right path. Because he was saying how, although it was great grief losing his grandmother, that his life has actually started coming on the right track and he's made some good decisions. And he said, I don't know why. I don't believe in God. I don't know why I thought maybe God allowed that to happen. And he said, at that moment, I felt an overwhelming warmth through my whole body that was more intense than anything I've ever experienced. And it was like a love that was the best experience of my life. Wow. Then he said in some Australian language, uh, how surprised he was that we would ever be having this conversation on the phone. <laughs> he was shocked. He couldn't believe it. And so it got me thinking how powerful the love of God is. Right. That he could break through the hardest of hearts. Now, he's still not saying he believes in God, he's, but he said, I am know that there is a God. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. To go from there is no right, chance of right, God. Right. After all my church going, after all my talking to him, after all my great wisdom into his life, <laughs> nothing had shifted him previously. But one moment, experiencing the fierceness, not in an angry way, I think we've got the title up here, Fierce Love is the, message, is the title today. Not an angry fierce, uh, fierceness, but a, a passionate, intense fierce love that God has for him. In one moment of God coming into his mind, boom, a whole worldview of 38 years saying there is no God changed to there is a God. Wow. But then it got me thinking and I started thinking, well, if it is so powerful, why is it that most Christians I know struggle to really understand that God loves them? So true. We know it in our heads. Nearly the whole world would know the concept that God loves them. That's why when there's things in media about Christians not saying loving things, the world even jumps on the theology bandwagon (laughs) and starts telling the church how God should be. God is loving. Everyone knows God is loving. That's who in Nairobi. You will not find one person in in that city that does not know God loves them. Yet, we behave and we act and we engage in relationships and we engage in with God in a way that proves we don't get it. That's right. We get it here. That's so true. But it doesn't get here. It's such a seemingly short distance from the head to the heart, yet there is something here in our throat, I think, that is like a valve that stops this revelation from getting in our knowledge to getting into our experience and into a place where we go, I know that. And you know if you've got that, when someone simply pointing out that God loves you makes you go wow. Right. If it doesn't make you go wow, regularly, consistently, 
every time you hear it, right. you probably don't get it yet. Right. And I had to be honest with myself and ask myself, do I get it? And I'm happy to do that. I told my church, it's a bit awkward being a pastor after three years and saying, I think I don't quite get the love of God, church. <laughs> you know, you sort of risk a mass exodus at that point. But see, I get the grace of God. The grace of God makes me go, wow. When I hear about the grace of God, I go, every time, one phrase in a song or one scripture, I'm like, my goodness, that is incredible. It blows my mind. But grace is not the core of who God is. Grace is an overflow of His love. Love is who God is. And I'm on a journey, so I'm sharing out of the journey I'm going on this morning of letting it sink in from a, a, a knowledge in my head to getting it deep within my heart. And I'm praying this morning that it will help you do the same. Because you see, we have a number of reasons why that happens. Uh, one reason why we struggle to get it from here to here is the role models we have in our life. Right. Right. Um, our society, uh, even here, particularly where I come from, but I think it's true particularly of maybe my parents' generation, that a lot of the role models we have mm. are cold and angry and harsh. We have right. parents maybe that have been that way in some point. Uh, not Jamie and Jilly, of course, uh, and, and Jesse and the Oldfield girls, they don't have parents like that. But some of us uh, may, maybe have parents that are like that. Um, in, in my city, in, where we're living in Kenya, policemen are, are angry, politicians are angry, parents are angry, principals are angry, professors are angry. All these authority figures in our world have this, even if not all the time, at least bursts of it. Right. That make us think and view God in a way that says God is, at least if not all the time, at least at moments, angry, harsh, and cold towards us. Mm. And after years and years and years and years and years of perceiving God in a particular way, it inoculates us from knowing who God really so is true. in the depths of His nature. Right. Religion is like that. We can read John 3.16 in Sunday school and see three kids and hear it our whole life. But the problem is religion is that it gives us enough of God's love to inoculate us against it, but not enough to let us get on fire with it. Wow. Wow. Right. I'm no scientist, but I believe that inoculations, I'm due for another yellow fever one next year, all these things you need to do to live in Africa. That when you do that, you get given a small bit of a particular disease. Right. And it's actually part, it, it, it's, it's actually the substance of that disease, but it's a small enough dose that makes you not get it, so you don't ever get it. Right. Right? Whereas if you fully catch that disease, then it'll affect your life in a complete way. The love of God is something that we don't need, but we so easily get inoculated to because we get a glimpse of it. We hear a scripture or we, someone tells us God loves you, but it's just a small enough amount in the midst of all our worldview of angry and harsh authority figures that causes us to go to stop it from getting from here to here. So we need to find out a way to reverse the inoculation that's happened in our lives and in our experiences mm. and get to the point where we are so consumed and filled with God's love no. that it sets us ablaze yeah. right. with who He is. Yeah. Right. And so, so Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified Version says this, and this is my prayer for you, this is Paul's prayer, 
for the Ephesian churches, that you may really come to know, practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Wow. And so my prayer today wow. is that as we share, is that you would come, even if you have been in church for decades, that there is a ever deeper, fresh experience Absolutely. and revelation of God's love for your heart, even right. if you have never fully got it in your heart before, the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit can reveal the love of God to you in a way that transforms your walk with the Lord, your worship of the Lord, your right. relationships with one another, right. your morality, your identity, and yep. all these things that make you a functioning a whole human being, so you can do something magnificent for God on the earth. That's great. Would you just close your eyes, and if you feel like you would love God to reveal that to you over the next uh, 15, 20 minutes, even just lift your hands out in front of you right now. This is a sign before God that you, you, you didn't come to church for no reason. Lord, I pray this morning that every hungry heart here today, God, that you would see it, and I know you do see it, because that is what it means, and you love us, as Pastor Julie was telling me during the week, that you see us. And you see each one here this morning, Lord, and I pray that as we dive into this a little bit more, that you would open our eyes, Lord, that you would undo every lie, just like that song, no lie you won't tear down. Every lie that the enemy has placed in our experiences of life, every uh, false worldview that we have seen in authority figures or role models, whatever it is, Lord, that is stopping us from experiencing the depth and the veracity of your love, Lord, that it would break through our hard hearts. Lord, you said you'd give us hearts of flesh uh, replaced from the old heart of stone. Lord, and I yeah. pray even right now that a sense of your love would touch every heart. Lord, we offer you the hardness and the callous parts of our heart that pain in life has caused. And we ask that you would just breathe your love and the power of your spirit over us today, that we would walk out of here with something starting to shift on the inside of us Thank in Jesus' God. name. Amen. Amen. So, and, that, and that's the thing here as well. I, this is something, I've, I've made this a whole series in Nairobi to try and really take people on a journey of this. So I'm praying that even as you delve into the upcoming messages, that you would take this away. It will not change your, today won't try change your life. To, right. Today could plant a seed that can change your life. And so I'm praying that I'm going to give you some thoughts for you to go away and dive into and wrestle with and ponder and think about and meditate on so that you can chew over it and get it all the way down into your heart. So this love that God has for you, we have the beautiful opportunity and invitation of God to enter into that space. I'm reading a great book at the moment and it talks along the lines of this, that ultimately at the core of who God is is that he is father and that he is love. So sometimes we might think, well, who is God? God's creator. And, well, yes, God is creator, but creator is not primarily who God is. It's not the deepest, most uh, essential part of who God is. And you've heard, who, I don't, some, well, most of us, uh, not everyone will have heard the concept of God as a trinity. Uh, If you're new to church, you may not have heard that concept, but we have this concept that God and the Christian God is the only God who exists in a trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right. And it's not three separate gods, 
It's one God, but it's not just one God. There's three persons, and it's something we're never going to understand in our minds. It's too deep for us to really know. But having this concept that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now, in, you see, in John 17, 24, Jesus has this uh, prayer to, to the Father, and he says, Father, may they know that... Uh, prays a particular thing for us and says about the Father that you have loved me since before the world began. Right. So in the Trinity, we have this picture before anything that we see was created. We have a perfect community of love in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right, right. That for all eternity, the Father God has been pouring out His love on the Son in the Spirit. What an incredible picture. So God didn't create us because he was lonely and needed attention. He created us so that he could invite us into the very perfect community of love that has existed for all eternity. So good. We are invited into that space. He didn't need us. That's why he's not primarily creator. If he was primarily creator, he would need us to be creator. If he didn't have anything that was created, he couldn't be creator. And so it would be God creating so that he could be this creator, but he's not. He is father. And he has been father to the son since before the world began. Right, right. And so we have now this invitation where God says, you are now welcome in Christ to come into this family of God, father, son, and spirit, that has been functioning in this perfect dance of love before all of creation, that you have the invitation to enter into that. Now it says that how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we may be called children of God. Right. That we're co-heirs with Christ. And so not only is it God the Father pouring it out on God the Son, but He is pouring it out on all His children all around the world. Mm. Uh, Romans 5.5 5 says uh, that the, the Holy Spirit has shed abroad the love of God in our hearts. Right. So it's still the love of the Father as we are in the Son being poured out into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's why Pastor Phil and Julie live and breathe the things of the Holy Spirit because mm. the Holy Spirit is the agent of God on the earth doing things on behalf of the Father. Right. It's this Trinity experience that we are entering into. We are now sons and daughters of so God, good, God. Experiencing the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Right. Receiving the love of the Father in our lives, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that has been the cry of God for our all created history. Right. God is not ruler whose main aim is to change the behavior of his servants. That's sometimes what we think, that God's this great ruler. We look at the Old Testament and it's like, you you know, we think you're cursed if you behave wrong and you're blessed if you behave right. And we think that the whole purpose of humankind and life with God is to, for him to make us behave better. But it's not. That's an overflow. That's a byproduct. That's secondary. The whole pursuit of God from Genesis to Revelation has been a passionate pursuit of the Father to gain and find the hearts of his children. It is to invite them into this perfect community of love that has been happening since before the world began. It's to say, would you enter into this relationship with me that I've designed you for? Even in some of the, if you go to maybe Isaiah and 
some of these Old Testament prophetic books which seem a little bit confusing at times, even in the most seemingly judgmental, like firing brimstone type passages where God's like, if you do this, then this is going to happen. And it's sort of like, wow, what's going on there? Even in that, you see glimpses of God's heart for his children to come to himself. He will say, if you don't do this, then ah, it's all crazy. But if you will turn to me, then I will come and I will fellowship with you. And I will forgive you and I will love you and I will do this and I will do that. So from, from Adam and Eve, all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament now, where we have an opportunity to enter into the love of God as His yeah. children, the heartbeat of God for you is not just that you would start behaving better, it's that you would start entering into His presence with more ease and know His love more deeply. Right. I don't know if you're tracking with me this morning. Yeah, we are. absolutely. So good. So that is the heartbeat of God, and that's why there's so many scriptures. Uh, about knowing him. So many scriptures where Paul says, I count all things lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing God. That's why Jesus says that you may know God. That's, this is eternal life, that you may know him. Yeah. That's why we say things like Christianity isn't about religion, it's about relationship. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. So let's have a little uh, quick snapshot of what it looks like, what this love of God looks like. And the first thing I'm going to say is that it is fierce. And hence the title of the message. Song of Songs, uh, verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 6, says this. And this is one of the most mind-blowing passages that I've read recently in the Passion Translation. It says this. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of my love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. My goodness. That is the heart of God towards you. It is not indifferent. It is not cold. It is not calculated. It is not measured. It is not up and down, it is a all-consuming, unrelenting, fire-like, passionate pursuit of your heart. That God does not just want your behavior, He wants the very depths of who you are. Right. That might scare someone. But it's not when you know that His heart is so for you and so passionately about you. Right. Uh, His love is unfailing and unending. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Wow, what what a passage. I have drawn you to myself. I think of something else when I read that. Exodus and the... Uh, people being freed from slavery in Egypt. Uh, Where was the destination? Where did God bring the people of Israel from Egypt to? Can anyone answer that? Promised land. Promised land. And that is technically a right answer. And there was a first stop that was more intentional before then. Wilderness. He said, Moses said, let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. That was the destination. So before God wants you to experience the blessings of the promised land, He wants you to experience the intimacy of the wilderness. 
that they're good things. Their second, it's good that he good, does good yes. stuff. I'll talk about that soon. But the yeah, primary yeah, heart yeah. of God is that you would be drawn to him. That blows my mind that God wants to know me in that way. That it's unfailing. You know what? I'm, I'm a bit scared becoming a father because I will, I will fail my child at some point. I will. And I don't like that thought because I don't want to do that. And I'm going to try not to. But inevitably, there will be moments where I fall short and I fail. You've probably experienced, without a doubt, not probably, you have experienced, we have all experienced relationships in our world where love fails. Right. Someone did not meet up to the expectations you had. Someone didn't treat you the way you should have been treated. Whatever that might look like. God is unfailing. He is unable to treat you in a way that you don't deserve. He is unable to hurt you. He is unable to let you down. His love is unfailing. And it's unending. Isn't that beautiful? It's unending. Uh, I, I, I had a number of girlfriends in high school. Sorry, Jamie. Most of them ended within 48 hours without a single conversation. I don't know if you had any of those. You sent your friends who asked them out or vice versa. They brought back the report. It was like spies spying out the land. Yes, you are dating this person now. Okay, what do I need to do? Just carry on life as usual. And uh, after 48 hours, you get that friend walking over on their behalf to let you know that this isn't working out. And, uh, and still, somehow you haven't held their hand, you haven't had a conversation with them, you haven't even played a game of handball for crying out loud. But still, that ending hurts your heart somehow. Oh, I'm so sad. My girlfriend broke up with me today. Oh, I didn't even know her. I don't even know her. I think it was her. I don't know. We all have we all have moments in our life where love ends, and that's a lighthearted example, but it can get pretty painful as well as well at times. Right. The love of God has no end. It will never end. There is no end to it. You will not send a messenger to break up with you. You are fully and completely unending, unendingly connected to the love of the Father. Beautiful. It's undeserved. This is possibly one of the greatest ones. Now, Romans 5.8 says, When God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, uh, oh, sorry, but he did show his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Wow. I was talking to one of my friends recently who has a good revelation of the love of God, and I said, what does that mean to you? And he said, I think it starts with this. Everyone has a story. And everyone's story starts with there is a God and he is deeply in love with you. Everyone has a story and everyone's story starts from the from, from there is a God and he is deeply in love with you. Right. Often we make that the aim of the story, not the beginning. How do I get God to love me? How do I get to feel that I am loved? How do I try and earn this love from God and we go on this treadmill of trying to find out how do I get God to please me when I behave he loves me when I don't behave he's angry with me and it's just this cycle instead of the very starting point being that you're, so the good. love that God has for you is Come not on. deserved Right. the only difference between a Christian and an unbeliever is that they have access to the love of the Father because right. until we say yes to Jesus we don't have access to the love of the Father but God loves every human being in the same relentless, fierce, passionate, all-consuming way. 
That is our starting point. Yeah. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Right. Not He gave His Son so that He would start loving the world. The love of God is the starting point Very of all good. creation. Right. It's something right. you already have. And the minute you stop trying to earn it and you start receiving it is, a, is one of the moments where your life changes. You don't please people. You don't look to people for affirmation. You don't need to look to sex for affirmation. You don't need to look to money and success and fame for affirmation. You don't right. need to try and do something to make you feel like a valuable, worthwhile human on the earth. You have it. It's your starting point. It's your foundation. It's where everything else flows from. That's great. That you don't deserve it. So even when you act like you don't deserve it, you've still got it. Yeah. Amen. Isn't right. that amazing? Right. You've still got it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Sin can separate you from experiencing it. As far as unrepentant sin I'm talking about, not a Christian who makes mistakes and turns to God. A willing departure from the cross of Jesus can disconnect you from it. But nothing else, when you call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, nothing can separate you from that relentless love that He has for right, you. Right, right. It's also uh, consistent. James 1, 17, every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or, or darkness and is never subject to change. Brilliant. Wow. That's one of the most fascinating aspects for me of his love. I've experienced love from people, but I think where humans fall short, it's inconsistent. Growing up, some of my experiences were I felt deeply loved, but there were almost, always also moments where I felt like I'm not sure if this person's in a good mood or not. So I might just, so it's sort of like, I know you love me, but do you love me right now? And should I approach you right now? Because you could be in a bad mood right now. It's so true. And I approach God like that. God, I know you love me, but like, is this a good day or is this not a good day? Like, what are the stakes here? What's, where are we at? It's never subject to change. God's always right, in a good mood. Right. He's always in a good mood. He's always smiling at you. He's always available for you to come before him. And lastly, he's always present. Hebrews 13.5. I don't know if you've had a, uh, an absent father figure or an absent authority figure in your world that is not there whether emotionally or present god is present i will never leave you alone never that's a scary thing coming from an ex-boyfriend but that's wonderful (laughs) coming from father god it sounds a little stalker like a little creepy you know i will never leave you alone never ever but this is god this is good this is good i'll never leave you alone and i will not loosen my grip on your life so good, I love that. And even when you feel God is silent, even when things are difficult, even when you feel like things are not working out, God still very much has his grip on your life. Right. You are still very much held by him. You are still very much in the palm of his hands. You are right. still very much secure in him. Beautiful. And that's what the enemy wants you to think, particularly when times get tough, that he is, uh, that he is not there that he is not protecting you, that, he, that, that the devil is bigger than him. Yeah, sure. But when we see things from God's perspective, which is why I love prayer ministry like, like Phil and Fleur do, that there's been moments where I felt like, um, even recently where I felt like, God, are you, like, are you, what's happening? Like, are you there? And someone sees a picture saying, I see a rocky road, but Jesus is with you. So that even when we can't see it, even when we don't feel it, 
His love is present and His grip will never loosen on your life. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think we can have the band just as I uh, share these last few thoughts. Sometimes understanding what the love of God doesn't mean sometimes helps us narrow down what it does mean. So three things just to finish on that. The love of God doesn't mean that you won't experience pain in your life. Yeah, that's right. And so often, this is a huge one for me, because sometimes when you cry out, uh, when something bad's happening and you're praying and the thing's not changing, I don't know if anyone else wrestles with those moments. Yes. And it's often not like... Often, isn't it funny, I was thinking, sometimes our cry is, God, are you listening? But often, just as loud can the cry be, God, do you even love me? Do you care? Are you interested in what's going on? Because you're silent and you're not doing anything. (laughs) But Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from his love. It says, not hunger, persecution, death threats, troubles of all sorts. All these things can't separate you from his love. Okay, so that's interesting. If those things don't separate us from it from his love, it must mean that his love is not dependent on those things. Right. So good. God does good things for us, and I'm grateful for that. Right. And I think that more, I'm, I'm having this thought, you can go away and study it yourself and see what you think. I'm having this thought that that's more out of his goodness and his kindness, which are overflows of his love rather than the very core of love itself. He is good, he is kind. We can expect good things on earth. But it is inevitable that those things aren't going to be the only things we experience. So it's like it's like Debs. It's like that is an element of his love, him wanting to do good things. But at the right. very core of who he is, right. he's not a genie who gives us three wishes to do what we need him to do. He is a heavenly father in pursuit of our heart. Right. Above everything else. And if that doesn't excite you, Christianity will never excite you. Because that is the most exciting thing about Christianity. Yeah. Not the blessings he can give you, not the great adventures you can live. Because this life on earth is temporary. It's short-lived. It's not the it's not the end target. God is preparing us for an eternity with him. So if you don't like enjoying time with him now, you're gonna hate eternity. If you don't like worship, you're not going to enjoy heaven. If you don't enjoy people with different backgrounds, you're gonna hate heaven. This life is preparing us for something greater. Right. And that's why we can walk through difficulties, we can walk through pain, we can walk through trouble and still be connected to the heart of the Father. Amen. So it doesn't mean that you won't experience pain, but that's why it says, fear not for I am with you. Right. The Lord says. In every scripture where it says, do not right. fear, it says, for I am with you. Right. Do not, not don't fear because this is going to end soon. Do not don't fear because... Your troubles are going to disappear. Right, right, Don't right. fear because whatever it's good. you walk it's good. through, like you're going to be connected to the yeah. love of the Father. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? That's awesome. That's why Paul said, I'm experiencing all these things, but just pray that I'd get more bold. He didn't say pray that these difficulties would be taken away. He said right. pray that I'd be more courageous to just keep doing what I'm doing even though things are hard. Because he was connected to the love of the Father. The love of God doesn't mean that you don't need to change. Right. God loves me just as I am. There's a great new Hillsong song at the moment called As You Find Me. Go and listen to that. 
But the lyrics are, you love me as you find me, but you're too good to keep me there. Your love's too good to keep me there. You know, when God asks you to deal with something in your life, it's not because he's trying to change you from doing a behavior that doesn't line up with the word of God. Right. Uh, it's not like, again, his primary mode is not behavior modification. Right. It's heart pursuit. Right. So when he asks you, hey, you know that sin that you're struggling with, I really want you to work on that. Or when he says, you know that pain in your heart that you're carrying from that wound in your past? I want you to give that to me. All the things that we like to say, no, Lord, I would like to keep those for myself. Thank you. But ultimately, when he says that, he's saying this. I want to separate you from those things that separate you from me. Right, right. I want to separate you from the things that separate you from me. Because there is... There is a depth. We will never reach the depth of God's heart as long as we're in these bodies. You will never, we will never come to a complete understanding of His love while we're in these these mortal bodies. And so there is depth after depth after depth that we can walk into to know His heart for us, to know His heart for humanity, to know who He is, to know His thoughts. But there are moments where we go... That next step's gonna be blocked by something. That pain, those insecurities you're carrying, until you give them to God, you can't take the next step. That's why we stop progressing, because we say, God, I don't trust you with those things you're asking me right. to give to you. I don't trust you with my insecurities. That hurts too much to talk about that. I don't trust you with this sin. I like this sin that I'm doing right now. I don't want to give it to you. Right. And the minute we we, we withhold things in our heart from God is the minute we say, God, I've stopped going further into your heart for me. Right, right, right. So, so it doesn't mean we don't change, but it means that the motivation of change is not just so we can tick a box to say we're behaving a certain way. It's to remove the things that stop us going further into the heart of God for right, us. Right, right. And on the other side of surrendering those things to Him is a revelation of His heart for you that when you see that, and you know that you're not going to need anything else in your world. Right. I was singing yesterday, song in my private time with Lord worship. is like, you know, a new house fire song. I love new songs. And said, uh, you're more, it was just one phrase, you're more than enough. You're more than enough. And as I was seeing that, there was nothing, I, you know, I, I couldn't care about, you know, a house that I want to build in the future. I couldn't care about any material thing. I couldn't care about if I, what car I drive. I couldn't care about anything. I was like, God, if I can experience more of this perfect love that you have for me, right. that is more than anything that so I need good. on earth. Yeah. That is more than anything Woo! that I need on earth. And lastly, it doesn't mean that you don't need to invest in the relationship. Any good relationship, even if you already have that love for you doesn't mean you don't need to invest in it. Right, right. Oh man, I'm talking to us. <laughs> you know, I still need to show my wife that I care about her even though I know she loves me. It's still nice knowing when she does things for me even though I know she loves me. When you understand God's heart for you, prayer, Bible reading, church, worship, all these things go from being relational rules to please God to being relational tools to know God. Right. 
and not relational, uh, religious rules to please Him. Oh, I better go to church. Oh, I better pray. Oh, I better do this. No, no, no. They are tools that you are being given from God right. that you may know right. Him more. Right. That every day becomes a wild adventure. What scriptures are going to be revealed to me today? What's God going to whisper to my heart today? What, what when I'm worshiping Him, what is going to be reciprocated as I as praise goes up? What's going to come down today? As I'm walking along, driving in the car, just praying for my friend, what word is God going to give to me today? It becomes this lifelong adventure of responding to the pursuit of God to our heart and in return, pursuing His and giving Him all that we have. My friends, that's all that I know Christianity to be. That's all that I know Christianity to be. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what makes me live and breathe. It's not something that I can enjoy. It's not a power trip. It's not so I can do great things and be a pastor and whatever. It's none of that. It's just so that day to day, I can know my Father more. Come on. And that's going to prepare me for an eternity with Him. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're lacking, whatever you wish God hadn't done, wherever you felt He let you down, He owes us nothing anyway in the first place. It's our privilege to enter in to the love, loving family of God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and become part of that family and know the love of the Father for our lives. Why don't we stand up here this morning? I just want to pray for you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.